You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. Uh, this week on the Bearded Theologians, uh, we are going to talk about the worship wars. And uh, so, Zach, as we, um, in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, hymns and contemporary music uh, in worship. And so that kind of brings us to the head of, of the good old conversation that we've had for, for ages, really only the last 25 years in some cases, but probably even further than that, um, the good old worship wars. And so, Zach... Uh, when that comes to mind, what like you know, what comes to your mind when we when we talk about that? Um, well, the the experience that I've had in the church is people are going to complain about the color of the carpet and the type of the music that you play. Uh, and yeah, um, and so and and with that, unfortunately, I found a lot of truth in it. Um, you know, and that that kind of means we argue about things that don't. I don't want to say don't matter. A color of the carpet doesn't matter, uh, but music does matter. But we argue about it for the wrong reason. Um, you know, we we argue hymns over contemporary music because of preference more than anything. Um, and I, I think Matt and I built a a strong argument for both uh, for both hymns and contemporary music. But we also built a strong argument against them too. That uh, in the sense that you know the music has to fit the moment, um, and if it doesn't, yeah, it really really doesn't matter. And at that point, you're just singing the same, right? Uh, for singing contemporary music, um, that's not, you know, theologically sound. And if we're singing hymns that just don't go with the theme, who, who cares? Um, and so we, we get into these wars of, well, it has to be hymns. It has to be contemporary. It has to be this, this, and this. And I think that's where we get in trouble when we deal in absolutes like that. It absolutely has to be this way. Um, and we don't lend ourselves to hear and feel um, the spirit moving us in those directions to use a hymn in this place where we'd normally use a contemporary song or to use a contemporary song where we might normally use a hymn. And um, then it comes down to, well, we'll just do it, do it all. We'll do a blended service, which uh, if you do a blended service and it goes well, please call me. I'd like to know how that goes for you. Because um, blended services are hard. Uh, they're probably the hardest type of service that we do in the church. And um, it's because it's hard to do it well. Um, and I always try to qualify it with people just in my background. Of, you know, you can ask somebody to do children's ministry and youth ministry, uh, but they're two different mindsets and two different skill sets. And that person's not going to be able to do both well. Uh, and I feel the same thing goes for a blended worship service. Um, it's kind of two different mindsets, two different skill sets, and the same person or the same group of people can't do both well. And so it, it doesn't lend us to be, uh, it doesn't lend itself to worship. And so that, that's kind of where um, kind of the basis of, of the worship force comes from, I think. What do you think that? Well, and, and I think that too. And I think that the struggle is, um, as I think about this, the the thing that always kind of comes back to my mind is that there are people that want 
the rock style concert venue style service and that's fine for them. I, I get nothing out of those. I mean, I'll be honest. I like, yeah, the music might be great. And if it's a great band, it can make for a great atmosphere. And if the lights are right and the fog machine's going like, yeah, I get the atmosphere, but it's not necessarily a connection to God. It's more of a connection to myself. And, and I don't necessarily like that. I don't feel spiritual in that moment. And, and, and we've kind of, poked fun at it is that some of the, the the modern praise or contemporary music is very thin and so theologically i just don't feel like i'm being filled and and the same thing in the in in a traditional service if if your hymns or your um, liturgy is either dated or if it's um language that's just not inclusive and non you know just good language then yeah it sucks too it and what happens is, is that people use uh, use a context for whatever they're wanting for worship. They want what will make them feel good, and they feel like they have a connection to God. And um, I, I want to push back on that and 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 ask it. You know, is it a connection to God, or are you not allowing your and and whatever one? How are you allowing God to enter in in that space, whether it's contemporary, modern, or traditional, or what, blended, what whatever you want to call it? And then I want to push back even further on this whole worship or concept. Is that why isn't it just worship? Why, why? And I hate blended. I hate that term. Blended worship makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but what if the, the thing that I want to offer up is what if instead of actually using those terms, describing our worship, we just say, Hey, we worship together as a community and that the music that we use is centered and focused around our community. And so there may be a time and, 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 and I know of communities and contexts that I've served in that bluegrass music would fly a lot better than me bringing, you know, David Crowder or Shane and Shane in. Not that it wouldn't reach a niche, but I could probably reach more flies with a, a great bluegrass group than I could with those contemporary music artists or, you know, just whatever. Um, and so, you know, like I've definitely been a casualty of the worship wars. Uh, I've, started and stopped a bunch of uh, contemporary services in my day. Uh, not even just contemporary services, experiential services that were uh, hands-on and, and, um, and have watched those die. And, and, and because of just people won't worship in a way that they feel connected to God with. And I think that that's where uh, liturgy, which is really the work of the people comes into play. Um, and, and really looking at your worship service and saying, you know, what is it that we do? Like I joke about ours, Ours in Locust Grove is a is a flux of uh, contemporary, modern, gospel, traditional. So we're we're country easy is kind of the way I've uh, put it. Uh, that we do have a sense of high church, and and I do. I wear the robe. Uh, we have a processional. We have a choir. We you know we sing some of the hymns, and but we also have um, a touch of the modern every so often. You know we have videos. We use uh, we sing praise songs and. Um, and I, and I think that that's the deal that where we've got to shift focus instead of talking about worship and compartmentalizing it and siloing it like we do our ministries. What if we just said, Hey, we worship together at 1045. Um, you come experience our style, but we want to encourage you to come a couple of weekends. So that way you can kind of get a fullness of who we really are. Cause it is a seasonal approach and that's how we do. It. That's how we do worship. Um, I think the moment that we brand ourselves a particular style of worship, uh, we put ourselves in a corner that you can't get out of. Um, you do. You you lock yourself into something that isn't necessarily 
listening to the needs of the community. It may just be listening to, well, we got to have a contemporary and a, a traditional service. Um, and, and when we do things like that, you're, you're right, we compartmentalize it, um, but we, we often see the injustice in it. And at and, and Church, we have three different services, uh, partly because we have two campuses, but we've got a very high church traditional, we've got a very laid back contemporary, and then we have your, uh, your country church like you say, uh, at our second campus. And um, sometimes it's hard to avoid that. Um, but it, there's, a, there's a way to do that where it's inviting to all people and it's not the car compartmentalization, it's not the segregation of us versus them. Um, and then I think, I think too often because society is so us versus them through politics and religion and, and gosh, everything. Um, that that we have to stick within our own style instead of branching out and so we feel um, that if we start these things while well, other people come to that they'll leave us alone over here maybe uh or or we could just ignore and say well that's not for me i'll stay comfortable where i'm at um and that's not good either uh we need to push ourselves a little bit and and try um and maybe we'll find something life-giving in the traditional service where we wouldn't think we would or in the contemporary service where we wouldn't think we would um, I got to go to a church in Dallas a few years ago and, and the pastor, it was a Palm Sunday, actually, the pastor was talking about it and they had kind of some contemporary things going on. And he was like, a year ago, I wouldn't have let this fly. He was like, I had nothing to do with contemporary services. I didn't want to do it. Um, they weren't life giving to me. And he said, and then somebody pushed back and said, have you tried? And he went, well, no. You know, I'm asking other people to try things that I want them to do, but I'm not willing to try myself. He said, so I tried. I went in with an open mind and an open heart. And guess what? I saw God. And I was like, that's, that's a huge confession in front of your church, uh, as well as an example to say, hey, we've got some different things going on. Try. See what you get from it. See where you see God uh, in it. And if you're not seeing God in it, maybe it's you. Uh, and maybe it's the worship service, but start with you first. Yeah. Um, and so it's that push to for you, you to do something, you to try. Yeah. And that's something that like, you know, like I said, I, I said, I don't get anything out of contemporary worship settings and I really don't. And I've tried, like I've been in different settings. I mean, even when I was in Norman, we had a really good contemporary or they call it modern service. It was a really good service, but I could never, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get over that hump. Um, it just wouldn't, there was just something in it that wasn't for me. Um, whereas I could go sit in the traditional service and listen to the liturgy, listen to the choir and oh my gosh, you know, just, wow, it was just so hallelujah. Um, but I think that when we, one, when we compartmentalize worship, we put ourselves in a really bad place that we don't really need to be in. And then the other side of that is, is that, you know, when you're sitting down with your worship team, however you, you do your worship team, pastors and people that are lay people, you know, um, you know, ask yourself, why are we doing these things? you know, I'm getting ready to walk into a new church here in a few weeks. And, um, you know, we're going to continue as though James didn't leave for a while. And, and I'm going to figure out, you know, I, I want to listen to the community. I want to listen to what they are and then we'll make adjustments as needed. Um, they just adjusted the one worship service. And so they have a blended service. And so I really want to just listen and, and, and fill my way out and find a way that we can worship well. Cause my whole deal with worship, if it's done crappy, nobody's going to come. Worship has to be awesome. And it doesn't have to be lights, camera, action awesome. Like, you know, just 
stage lights and all that stuff. But it has to be, and I'm going to use this word, but please understand I'm using this word to motivate more than I am as a theological reflection. Our performance has to be perfect, which means our readers have to read well. Our singers have to sing well. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that like, you know, a couple of months ago and when the children were doing their thing, Emily and a, uh, a friend of Emily's at church, one, Emily's my youngest daughter, um, wanted to sing, um, Jesus loves me as a solo. Okay. They, you know, so I let them, you know, it was cute. It was definitely worth a moment. Was it perfect? No. You know, Emily sings very nasally. <laughs> was it hard to listen to? In some ways, yes. From a performance side, as someone who spent a lot of time in the in, in the music world, uh, yeah, definitely wouldn't have been acceptable in the music world. But for worship, it was perfect because it was a little child, little child's voice. Right. Well, and that's and, the thing. We, when you when you so so I lead our praise band, or I've taken over the leadership of our praise band here. Um, in in I'm shifting their gears from a performance based to a worship based, and and there's a difference. The performance has to be there. It has to be good. It has to be quality. Um, but when we enter in with a worship mindset, this is why we're here. This is the sermon topic for the day. These are why we're singing the songs we're singing. Um, if they're a little nasally, you know, if they're a little off, we mess up a little bit. It's not a big deal, but it lends itself to worship. But if it's solely that performance of, oh, man, I'm going to go rock this out. Yeah, you lose something. Uh, you lose something in that perfection. Um, and so, yeah, for, for Emily to get up there, they, they, one, she's a kid, and they're going to think she's adorable no matter what she does up there. Um, but the same goes for adults and people. Um, it, it shows the humanity of, hey, we're people too. Um, and, and, and we do. It has to be quality, like you say. Um, but there's room for grace in those areas. And I think people see that. Um, and, and, but, I think so it's, but, but I think it's also a fine line, too. And I, and, and that there are be times where, you know, cousin so-and-so that, you know, wants to stand up and sing a special cousin so-and-so can't sing worth a leg. You know, is that, is that five minutes of worship that you really want people to experience? And, and if it's that great song, I can only imagine that people love to sing. Right. And I'm it like, people still love to sing that song. Um, and they butcher it. Um, right. And it's, does it does there's, there, there's a does line it do, between quality and sucking well yeah <laughs> you can't suck um and and i think that that's the struggle and and how do you manage that in in a, right. in a worship experience that where right. people uh will feel loved and connected and all that great stuff that goes along with that but i but here's what it is in, in regards to the worship wars the problem we've run into is that we want worship like we want our television uh, right now, the big pushback on cable TV is that we can't have what we want. You know, right. we can go to Netflix and we can watch anything that we want, you know, that they have. We can go to Hulu. You know, we can be selective on that stuff. And and people want that with worship. And I don't think that that's what worship can be. Uh, worship needs to be a community collective of people and a community voice and a community um, conversation to where people can actually get together and feel connected. Uh, and that's why I think that you have to use language of the community. If you're not using language of the community, um, it ain't going to work. And, and I, and I, when we were in Denver and we were with Jerry, was that not worship? Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the music was definitely not something you could play on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, you know, kick Murphy's only goes so far. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, 
you know, the uh, passing of the piece was probably a little bit different and, and, but those elements were there and, and definitely connected with God, not only um, through the work of the um, sandwich building, but also the work of the um, conversations with, with, as Jerry preached and as um, you know, all that stuff that went along. And, and so like this worship war that has apparently been going on, some people say it goes on for the last 20 years. I think it's been going on since the beginning of time because anytime right. you try to get people to do something together, there's always going to be pushback. Right. Um, but I think the real question to answer as you are putting together worship or as you're looking at worship is um, how, how does this relate to the community? And does it, right. does it speak what the community needs and wants needs to hear from God? The, the way that I've qualified it for churches in a long time or for a long time has been asking them, uh, is a preference over purpose. Mm. Um, we're, we're doing these things in worship. We, we're very intentional about picking songs and sermon topics and scriptures and everything from the beginning to the end uh, for these seasons of time. And is what you want us to add or take away from the service preference over the purpose of what worship is? And uh, that's a hard question for people. Um, because usually it's, well, I don't like this or that. Why? Why well, I just don't like it? It's not me. Okay. But this is the purpose that it serves. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're listening, trying to listen to the heartbeat of the community and the congregation and, and people and, and bring that purpose in uh, so that in multiple ways you can connect with God. And not everybody's going to connect with God in the same way. And so if we're, oh gosh, I'm going to say this in, don't hate me. Uh, worship, worship is purpose-driven. Sorry, Rick Warren. Um, <laughs> are we really in worship? But if worship is, is or if worship is preference-driven, sorry, I can't talk, um, is it worship? But if it's purpose-driven, it's, it's worship. Because this purpose behind it has meaning rather than this is just how we like it. Um, and it's what I'm like YouTube or... It's what, what I like. It's what I like. It's what I like. It, that, and that's that, understandable. A little bit of that goes into it too, but it's, it's solely driven by your preference. Uh, well, the purpose is lost. And I think that that's where evaluation of worship is, is necessary um, mm-hmm. to, um, to ask the community, not just ask those people that are gatekeepers, but, but to really ask the community this question, you know, what do you all like? What do you listen to? What, what speaks to your soul? And, 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 and not saying that if so-and-so wants this, that that's what they're going to get, but just say, Hey, we just want to hear from you. So that way we can, as we're thinking of worship uh, and worship planning, we can actually, I remember when so-and-so said they liked this and, or they like this hymn and, you know, um, you know, be open to what that could mean for people. It's just, it's amazing to see, um, when we open ourselves up to that sort of stuff that what can really, really happen. Even, even when you, when say you take, you take Christmas, you take Advent and you know, you're promoting your Christmas Eve service and Christmas Eve is a very high, I'd say high energy. It's, it's, there's a lot of celebration in, in Christmas Eve and you have people who are dealing with loss and tragedy and, and death and depression and things like that during the holiday season. Like, you know, I just really don't think the Christmas Eve service is what I need right now. And, and so you begin to hear those things and well, well, we have this blue Christmas service where it's intentional to come and heal 
and, and mourn these things and, and do some things that hopefully will help you celebrate in your way this Christmas season. Um, and, and I've seen those, those conversations be very, very life-giving in, in, in places where people are like, man, I just don't want to do Christmas Eve this year. Um, I'm sad. You know, it's just not, not feeling it. Um, but I want to do something. I want to worship in some way. Uh, I just can't do the celebration. And so, you know, there, there's that. There's those parts of it, too, that we create space for people um, to connect with God in various ways. Well, and I think that that's where, like, for me, last year, I'll, I'll use Mother's Day as a good example of this, because last year I did not want to lead worship on Mother's Day. Uh, it was my first Mother's Day after my mom had passed. I mean, it was still really fresh. I mean, and so, you know, I took the Sunday off and we attended another church service. And uh, I was a little bit, I did not like the way that that it was done. Not that the, the service itself was was still lacking in a sense of of just quality. Like, I mean, it was still not as good as I was hoping it would be. But on those kind of special Sundays, like Mother's Day, Father's Day, and some of those other holidays that we celebrate, um, you know, to be intentional about lifting up women and saying, hey, you all are all mothers yep. in some way, shape, or form, uh, and acknowledging that. And, and you know, and, 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 and hey, on behalf of the church, here's a little gift. We want to give you a flower, uh, you know, and, and just be all mothers, all women, uh, you know. And, and, you know, I think that that's a, the best way to do it. I don't, I don't know if there's another way to do it. Uh, you know, I don't you, think there is. And that, that's such a hard day because you have people dealing with so much, whether it's loss or not being able to have children or their kids being <laughs> off to college or adults and not coming, you know, whatever it is. Mother's Day is a tough day. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and, and Father's Day and, and mm-hmm. you know, even some of those other holidays like Thanksgiving right. and, and right. you know, uh, <laughs> You know, and I think that that's where like these worship words that we have, because you know, you brought up Advent season and how many people. I mean, how many conversations do you have? Who will sing those Christmas carols? <laughs> you know, uh, well, you know, um, but and here was my compromise, and this is always right. going to be my compromise, and this is what I'm always going to offer. We will do a Christmas carol service at a different time right. uh, during Advent, and you can come sing those songs one time to make yourself feel good, right. uh, just that way. Then. Hey, we did it and we're not going to sing it in worship on Sunday morning because, you know, it's, you know, Jesus hasn't been born yet. Right. Well, the same thing goes for Lent and Easter. We want to put Jesus on the cross before he actually <laughs> yes. gets there. I have a hard time with that one too. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so there, there's a purpose for these things. Um, well, and, and it, it goes back to the, to the, it goes back to the early, um, early Jews and the way they tell stories, actually still the way Judaism tells stories today. They always reflect upon the, the history and, 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 and move in a certain story and a narrative that, that is just so great. But Christianity has kind of lost that sense of narrative. They've lost oh, that we, sense we of storytelling. Yeah. And, and it goes true with our worship service. A worship service should be like a story um, and, and have a great beginning and a great end to, to, to send you out into the world to be re-energized and refocused, uh, restored, renewed, uh, to, to go out and face this world that we serve in. And, um, man, I can tell you, I mean, more churches that I've ever attended, uh, I don't ever feel equipped to go out in the world attending right. them. Um, right. You know, like I love the way they do it. Church of the resurrection, uh, the way that, and, and the way that you're sent out. I mean, it's a forceful send out. I mean, I mean, the times I've been there and watched Adam, Adam like 
go out into the world and just, you know, yeah. um, and, and I try to do the same thing in, in Locust Grove. Um, one of the things I've started doing in Locust Grove, and I did this like two years ago, and this has been phenomenal, um, is that our benediction is our mission statement. You know, you, we are called to, and then they saw him live God's way. You were called to. Right. And then the last line of the, of the liturgy is then go out into the mission field. And then I always insert whatever my sermon challenge was to right. do this, right. but also to live, share, and serve. Go now in peace. Right. And yeah, so I, my, I, my, my benedictions always end in just go, <laughs> go, get out of here, <laughs> leave this, leave this building and go do something. Chicken is calling. Um, um, and, and so I think, exactly, exactly. so, so as we bring this, uh, worship war conversation to the close and we could talk about worship style for ages and, gosh, yeah. and, and, uh, we'll probably bring it up again sometime, you know, in the later future. Um, but you know, seriously, look at your worship and ask yourself, why do you do what you do? And, and ask yourself, you know, like, you know, certain things, certain traditions that your church does that know that, you know, they don't do anywhere else. You know, just ask yourself why, what, what is the reasoning for this? Um, and, and, and ask yourself the, the real God question, you know, where's the, where's God in this? <laughs> um, and please ask that question before you complain and say, I yes. don't like this. <laughs> yes. Yes. I like that. Actually. Um, and I think that that's a good thing is, is to sit down, um, uh, is to do that is to sit down and just say, Hey, um, where's God in this? And, and, and challenge yourself. If you're a pastor and you, and you curate worship, curate a worship where people are going to feel connected to God and spend and be serious and adamant about it and spend time with the people and get to know them and find out what their likes and dislikes are. That doesn't mean you have to create a worship service that everybody's going to like, but create something that it's going to touch people's hearts. Because when you do that, that's how we get people in the church. And it doesn't matter about age range or you know, any of those little crazy dynamics or demographics that we're looking for. Um, if you curate a worship that connects people to God, they will come back and it, and it won't matter. I mean, it, and the crazy thing about that is you might have to change your worship service. Mm -hmm. You might have to change your order of worship. Don't be afraid to do that. And people are going to complain, but ask them, where do you find God in this? People complained what about what and Jesus did Push do. back and say, right. right. <laughs> and, and push back and say, have you tried? Have mm -hmm. you tried to find God in these things? Um, because here's why we're doing it. We're just trying to do something that's life-giving to people and that they can connect with God and then go out and connect people in the community. So this has been one of those bad sermon endings for this podcast where we've had multiple endings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but we want to encourage you no, to, 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 to reflect theologically upon your worship and ask yourself why, uh, and then figure out why, why do you do what you where is God in this? Um, you know, we want to encourage you to, to like our uh, YouTube page and to like uh, all the stuff that we have going on. We've got some great blogs uh, that have been written and, and, and even go back and look at our old beard cast. You know, I was the other day, I had pulled up the one, um, the, the third Bishop Harvey conversation about Israel. Uh, and, and it's a really good, exciting uh, conversation with Bishop Harvey. And we've had some other ones that, that are just have been really exciting the last couple of months. And we encourage you to go back and listen. And if you're going to listen to us, if this is the first one you're listening to, listen to the, to the, to the latest ones first and then if you really want to feel brave, go back and listen to those first ones. Um, we, we recognize that our first ones, we are not perfect. We're moving towards perfection, okay? Um, We're good Methodists. But we want to encourage you to, to go on our website, um, pick up a couple of T-shirts, a couple of coffee mugs. It's Mother's Day time. Um, it'd be great to buy a mo your mom a, a T-shirt that says you can't put theology in a corner, uh, buy a coffee mug, you know, 
you know, just help support us because, uh, any money that we get, like granted, like no, so far it's only been our money that we've put into it because we love buying coffee mugs uh, and stickers. Um, but any of that that we, we, we roll back right into the podcast and uh, podcasts do cost money to make and we're hoping to, to be able to make, like not make our wives too mad at us for this hobby that we've created. Um, but we want to thank you for your support and we hope uh, just share us and be part of the conversation. When does this come out? Is this in three weeks? No, this one comes out now. No, this is today. So, so... Um, we're going to have some cool live things coming up. We're going to be together in Las Cruces, New Mexico at the beginning of June. Uh, and we're looking at putting together a live, uh, live podcast. And uh, so we're looking for details on that. Um, so for the Bearded Theologians, this is Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. And may the fourth... I'm not going to let you do it. <laughs> may the fourth be with you. And remember, I refuse. I do the editing. Refuse. <laughs> you will not get that in there. So may the fourth be with you. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day.